I think that a lot of us are using Terraform. But what is in the latest release? And how is the release cycle of Terraform? Well, Andre has the answer. Welcome to a new episode of DevSecop Talks with me, Matthias, Andre, and Julian. Yeah, so I think this episode will be a, a Terraform one-year recap science uh, yeah. 1.0 release, which was released on 8th of June 2021, which is pretty much a year ago. We are recording this 10th of June 2022. Yeah. So let's see what have changed since 1.0, if anything. <laughs> and we could also look into what happened before 0.1, why it was a big deal, how we got there, right? Yeah. I guess a lot of you remember 0.11. <laughs> can, can we just take we, a moment and appreciate how well the transition has been? Uh, I mean... Over the over the the years, like Ashikop has really done a great job at migrating things. It was it yeah. was not painless, but it was a lot less pain than what I would have expected. So kudos to them for that. Well, well we could even do like this. So, who still have Terraform zero point eleven somewhere in some mm. project? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, means yes, I have, or you're just agreeing. <laughs> I, I don't have anymore, but it's a very, very good point. Like, uh, yeah, to see I, I, who's... I did find one in some uh, repos uh, some time ago. At the company also, yeah, th- yeah. So they are yeah, still, I think, still around. I think, like, in what we manage, there should be no zero point eleven left. There could be some 0, 12, 13, 14, 15-ish. And uh, basically, I would see a 0. 0.11 as actually 0. 0.1, uh, 0, 1.0 yeah. of Terraform. Mm. Because it was like a first really stable version that had been around for quite a long time. Yeah. So before that was a rapid uh, iteration of versions. And then 0. 0.11 was where the Terraform kind of stayed for quite a while. Yeah. And then we got 0.12, which got HCL2 and HCL is HashiCorp configuration language, which brought much more flexibility into HCL. So it brought uh, like loops, condition, more conditions, more loops for each and uh, other things that actually allowed you to have not, not of course, uh, Turing complete language, but uh, I mean, it solved a lot of problems that we had in 0.11, where we just couldn't iterate over models, for instance. And we still couldn't iterate over models in uh, 0.12. It came a little bit later. I don't remember which release was it exactly. Was it 0.13 or 0.14? But uh, they did address quite a lot of issues. And I would say I remember days on 0.11. And I remember moments where I would I would say like, I wish I could do that. Right? And uh, Terraform didn't allow me. Nowadays, I actually don't, I cannot remember myself saying something like that. That the, the power that Terraform has 
to express uh, infrastructure while staying declarative is uh, I, I believe enough, like even building quite complex configurations. There might be some edge cases where it might not be, but I would say most cases, I, I think we are covered. That was a big deal, arriving to 0.12. And then I think through 0.13, 14, and 15, they did a lot of preparations to 1.0, in particular, working how you updating the ways how you work with versions of Terraform and how you work with versions of providers. So it's more manageable. Before that, everything was just later sliding. You had a very little capabilities of fixing provider version. And this is what they did prior to releasing 1.0. They let you to specify the versions of providers you want to use. And you should understand that the Terraform is an engine that uh, communicates with different IP providers. And like by IP provider, I mean like the target environment that you configure uh, with Terraform, right? So one of them might be AWS, but then Terraform itself doesn't know how to talk AWS. It used to know it. Uh, but while when uh, AWS provider was managed together with Terraform, but now like uh, AWS provider has its own release cycle. And that's why it's important that you have a way of, you know, managing the, the, this complexity of dependencies. And I think I want to have my AWS provider version no, no, no more than three. Yeah. And my Kubernetes provider, no more than that. And my Cloudflare provider, no more than this. Yeah. And this is what they did. And uh, they first of all allowed you to have those conditional rules like you would have in um, software package managers, right? So like, give me something that is no, not higher than this version. Uh, or give me something between those versions. But they also introduced a log file that allows you to actually log version of provider together with a checksum. So it's like NPM log file, if you like, mm -hmm. the same type of thingy. So that was the road to 1.0, which went somewhat smooth, right? We, we had to do upgrades from 0.12 to 0.13 and then to 0.14. And from yeah. there on, it was again, Backward compatible, compatible. Yeah, it was a long, it was a long way of upgrading that. But yeah, so I think all of us took some time, to, time to do those upgrades. But this was also when Terraform were were, were starting. So, I mean, there were a lot of infrastructure that was set up with this lower version of Terraform, right? So yeah. for me, for well, me at least, when fourteen or fifteen arrived, I already had the infrastructure running. So then you have to go back and migrate it. it. Was almost easier to just remove them and redo it. Everything. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just want to go to the history in a release notes. So I could see that zero point twelve was released on May twenty second, two thousand nineteen. Yeah, actually, like during the time before COVID and all other historical debacles we have now. So happy times. And this is where we got 0 0.12. And this is where the road to 1.0 started. It took two years to get there. Yeah. 
And uh, if we go even even further back in history, I just want to uh, get the date of the first release of uh, 0 0.11, just to we have a clear picture of how long it been there. Uh, apparently, cannot scroll. Uh, and here it is. So zero ten zero um, zero eleven ish. Julia, which version did you start to terraform with? Oof, zero seven. Ooh. Right. So here we are. That's so zero eleven first version was released in two thousand seventeen. November 16, 2017. So we stayed on that version for two years yeah. before before 0 0.12 arrived. And the thing is that like Terraform was released in 2015, right? Yeah. So like if you take the version that Julian mentioned, which was uh, 0 0.7, I I know. I, I don't think I will, will be. Uh, it's around 2016. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it's so, a bit, because it was the, 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 you know, all those configuration engine, like it was a Solstack, Ansible, yeah. and, and all that glory that, uh, you know, I, I, I barely yeah, hear. Forget about Chef. Chef, Chef and Puppet, <laughs> exactly. They, they were really, really popular. And I think it, it's, uh, it, it's very impressive to see such a big. Um, you know, empire gets relayed into you know the, the background of the the tech scene because oh, yeah. nowadays I, I don't think there is a startup that say hey we should probably use uh, Ansible Chef or Puppet or Soulstack. Uh, depends where you are in the world. Right? Of course, of course, of course. Future is not evenly distributed in the places where people run mm. physical hardware. True, you very can, true. You cannot go yeah, live it's, it's it's guys, guys, unless guys, I run physical hardware. Okay, so, yeah, <laughs> well, I, I guess I, that, 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 then you're adding some VMware on top of that, right? To, to have some like guys. No VM, bare metal, flat car, Kubernetes. Wow, I, I realize I, I okay. see it all the time that I'm spoiled with the cloud. I, yeah, I, I yeah. see it all the time. Yeah, I'm really spoiled. Uh, I, I, I think they're still around, but they're much yeah. more niche, so it's less main, less, less of mainstream. And yeah. what you mm -hmm. can say is like Terraform right 2015. And then, like, it took two years to get to 0 0.11, where yeah. it stabilized somewhat. It got useful. I actually, I think I started using Terraform in early 2017. So I started with the previous version, but then jumped to 0 0.11. And uh, then it took another two years to arrive to 0 0.12 with HCL2. And from there, another two years to 1.0. Yeah. So it was a couple of like two year steps. And uh, if we're trying to extrapolate that in the future, which means that like we are in the middle of <laughs> another iteration, so maybe it's just too early to do a recap, yeah. as you might see something interesting this year, who knows? But, but, uh, but you, you know the Hashcore products really, <laughs> a lot about them. And I see that uh, I'm using Boundary now as well. It's kind of new, right? New too. But they also, you really have to keep track on your version because if it drifts and you have one on the client, one on the server, it won't work. So you need, really need to keep track on your version, especially now when it's so low. But uh, is that like a, 
plan for HashiCorp, start product, and then like in the beginning, they can do breaking changes and developing kind of quick to rethink probably and do different things. And then after a couple of years ago, it gets more mature and then it slows down and gets more stable. Yeah, I think that uh, HashiCorp is uh, one of the companies that take semantic versioning seriously. Yeah. So if it's zero something, you could expect anything. No. But uh, they actually keep promises when it's stable version and they and they try stable versions. So I would say we were actually planning to go through the new features in uh, 0.1 and 0.2 and take a look ahead on zero. Well, why I keep saying zero at 1.1, 1. 1, yeah. 1.2, and 1.3. Yeah. So. And there, there is a, there are no dramatic changes. There are improvements, but uh, there are no dramatic changes. There are deprecations, but I think those deprecations mostly coming from providers, actually. I really, oh. uh, looking back uh, now that uh, you know, we, we can say that Terraform is kind of like the dominant, uh, still the dominant infrastructure as code uh, tool. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's because of the community or is it because really is the technology and the, the fact that it's a declarative language, declarative-ish language that we mm -hmm. use. Because I, I, I remember those, um, uh, you know, configuration management uh, software were also kind of declarative or at least like a, a little bit more flexible uh, mm -hmm. in, in a sense that you could... Uh, specify pre-run, post-run, those kind of thing. Um, the 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 thing that really caught me by surprise, I think I, I remember because I, it just blew my mind how how people run that in production. It's Ansible. Like when there is one step that failed in the middle, it just doesn't care and keeps keeps rolling the rest. <laughs> so you, you you can be sure that nothing is gonna work after that. You can start from scratch, and, and, and so it's like. Those kind of things, like how to handle errors, I think that uh, Terraform has really nailed that or, or like was really good at it, at, at improving on errors. And that's really what makes it... like People could understand what they did wrong, kind of, and, and so they could learn and, and they could like iterate much faster. I, I think that's one of the, the reasons. But I might be wrong. Yeah. What do you think? I think another innovation, the big innovation was the, the state Right, so mm -hmm. the notion of the state, because like you don't have state in Ansible, True. you yeah. assume that all your actions are supposed to be in the pod. I, I, I don't, I, I, I don't make that work. No, <laughs> but basically, yeah. every time you run, there should be like the same result, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I'm well, kind of a little, I'm a little sorry because I took took over the duty of getting up and um, getting the baby to sleep during, <laughs> during the night. So now I'm sleep deprived. and uh, That's why I'm stumbling a little bit. Let me tell you about a story about Ansible that will share you up. Please do. Uh, OpenShift, when it was released, uh, the standard way of installing uh, OpenShift was with Ansible, right? Mm. Right. And they had a lot of checks then to verify that the servers were in, were in shape, like to have to have folders and things like that. And it was a nightmare running this Ansible because it's always crashed, right? 
Mm. But then we were at uh, KubeConf and OpenShift had this like demo there and they're running like, look how easy it is to install OpenShift with Ansible and they run it. <laughs> and we were saying like, yeah, but you disable all the checks, right? <laughs> 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 it just... For okay. demo purposes. Now, 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 now go pick up pieces. <laughs> yeah. It's for demo purposes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. So what I was saying, like the state, right? So you have a notion of how how it was, and then you do a kind of three diff merge or three three way diff. Yeah. Where you say like this is my specification, this is what's right now in the cloud, and this is what's in the state. Yeah. And based on that, I'm going to do this. Yeah. So basically state allowed Terraform to know what was created before because that was re- recorded in state. Mm-hmm. And actually that was another problem that makes people stumble a little bit because like, all right, so I described the database with the name X yeah, and there is a database with the name X that was in the cloud. Why Terraform cannot discover it on its own? Why I have to import that into state? Yeah. So, and I think that the problem here is that you cannot generally solve this problem. You can solve it for the database because the identifier of the unique identifier of the database will be its name. But if you take something else, you might have a different uh, unique identifier, right? So like, for instance, if you take security group in AWS, you get a generated ID. You cannot know this in advance. You cannot specify that. So you cannot just go and discover security group. Even if like even if you have something matches all parameters of what you described, you are not sure if it's exactly the same thing. So that's actually a very interesting problem, you know, of being able to dis- discover resources in that yeah. you have in the cloud and match them with your specification without the state. I think that would be a big step for Terraform if they can pull it off. But yeah. I I don't see it working out. It's just it's a very hard problem to solve. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the, there is this. Uh, I mean, everything that has a feedback loop of more than thirty seconds, you know, th- th- there is always like new tools that come out to uh, trying to fix that problem. And, and the thing is, with the cloud, there is so many APIs, and they take quite a, some time. I don't know. I, I run Terraform plan that took way more than half an hour when you had like really, really big uh, infrastructure. And so this is the kind of thing where, you know, you cannot really get it wrong too many times. Otherwise you get frustrated. And so what happened? Target, you know, target. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. At that point, you you break your state, right? You you divide your state into more modular and and, uh, units of, of... uh, computation kind of and the, the thing is the beauty of the state is that it's just a JSON file that an, any tool can read and so mm-hmm. you can actually um, you know parse that file and get info without going to look into like you, you trust that the state is actually what's in the cloud which yeah. may, may or may not be true uh, unless you have like a you know cron job that just continuously uh, check if there is a div somewhere, but the, the basically now you you had a way to query your state into a single place, 
And that alone g- gave so much insight for people. They had like, hey, how many VMs do we have running? Oh, let, yeah, let all me... those new security tools that yeah. during the couple of years now, they basically go and analyze Terraform state, trying to find this configuration. Oh, yeah, it's impossible yeah. to parse Terraform specification. I have like models, nested models, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and so that that's the really the, the the beauty of it, and that it's 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 one way to query any cloud. So if you build a tool that analyzes that state, you know that it's going to be for any of the provider that, that supports the Terraform, and that's a really like a, it becomes like a, a platform uh, that you know anybody can query and have their own insight on what's running where. I, I remember a time where, you know, pe- people lost entire cluster. It's like, hey, where, what, wh- what is this cluster? Oh, nobody knows. Nobody yeah. dares to remove it. Uh, hmm. in, and now it become a little bit more like, oh, we, we have a, we, we start to be able to clean things up. Uh, yeah. So that's an innovation too. <laughs> Being able to garbage collect uh, what, what is not used, uh, yeah, exactly. If something got deleted from the specification, it will be cleaned up. If you if you run Terraform uh, often enough. Alrighty. So should we should we look into the new stuff? Yeah, please. Mm-hmm. Alright. So version one point one got released in December twenty twenty one, and if you remember. 1.0 was in June, and this is because of the cycle of HashiCorp conferences. So you have uh, HashiCorp Europe in June, usually, and actually one is coming up in a couple of, I think in a week and a half. And uh, you have uh, HashiCorp US, which is usually in the, in the end of the year, like around November, December. And this is where they announce those versions. They might come a little bit before the conference, but usually this is where they announce the, the, the new versions and go through the plans for the new features. So December 2021, we got 1.1, and there we got a kind of interesting feature called moved blocks. Yeah. Right, So you could specify something within the model when you release a new version and, for instance, you rename the release uh, yeah. or you, you, named, you, you rename the resource within the model. From Terraform perspective, it will mean that you deleted the resource. Ah, yeah. And, and then it will want to create a new one. So it will want to delete old one and create a new one, which is a pain in the back and you would have to do manual actions like move Terraform state, move to tell Terraform that's actually that thing now got moved and it's renamed. So do it in the state. So now the model after they can use this moved block to actually say that what you have now here used to be called this way. And and then Terraform will be able to update the state on its own. Hmm. Which is is nice. Yeah. And you could actually will see that a lot of features that's coming up now, they're not as much of like, you know, Terraform core, there are like not that many changes, noticeable change, but there are a lot of changes and features from model development. Yeah. Right. Uh, then there is another feature in 1.1, which is Terraform plan and Terraform apply. Both now include additional annotations for resource instances 
plan for deletion to explain why Terraform has proposed that action. So you get just a little bit more output with the plan and apply, which yeah. got useful. And that was a big focus for them in 1.0. And actually, the role prior to 1.0 and uh, 0.12, I remember they did a lot of emphasis on improving the error output because back before that, in 0.11, the error output was quite cryptic. You have to know what that means yeah. to understand. Uh, or, or you have to Google it like for quite some time. But right now, they did improve usability of Terraform quite a bit. And... In most cases, the error message tells you what you need to do in order to overcome the problem. Right, and then another enchantment that they had, a new feature, they have a new HTL construct, which called Cloud Block, where you would uh, describe your Terraform Cloud details, wherever they are, if you're using Terraform Cloud. I, I, I don't really know that many people doing it, so probably important for them, who, who does. Then uh, half year forward, we have 1.2 in May of uh, 2022, yeah. which is actually like a month ago. Yes. So now we have uh, preconditions and post-conditions checks that you could use in uh, models. And through those, the model afters could uh, express the uh, anticipations or assumptions around the world around them, right? So they might assume that certain service role exists, for instance, yeah. and they're not trying to create it by their own. Or they might assume that the cloud trail is enabled and they can access it, right? And also yeah, post conditions could be, could be the same. So I oh, think that's that nice. Yeah. Not not super, maybe like not exactly useful tomorrow for, for like majority of population. But if you do write models, I think those are handy. There is also new life cycle argument. You know, the life cycle block on Terraform that could you could say like, for instance, prevent destroy. And then Terraform will never delete this resource. Even if... Uh, even if the change in configuration forces a delete, Terraform will just fail with error saying, like, you want me to delete it, but at the same time, you told me not to delete it. Now yeah. you have to change your mind and do something about that. And uh, now they added a new thing. Before that, they also had depends on. So you could say, don't create this resource before this dependency is created. And uh, that allowed you to chain dependency if they have some implicit dependence, not explicit, right? So if Terraform cannot figure out on its own, you can tell him, well, this needs to exist before explicitly. Now they added a new thing that's called replaced triggered by, which is a new lifecycle argument for managed resources, which triggers replacement of an object based on the changes to an upstream dependency. Ah, I see. So, which means that if something have changed, I read it like this. If something have changed, replace this object. Yeah. So, so like, taint this object for deletion. And then something else, which wasn't released in 1.2, but came in 1.2.3, 
there is a deprecation for people who are using the following backends, which are, oh, I don't have a list of backends here, but uh, those backends were Artifactory, ETCD, ETCD v3, something called Mantis and Swift. So if you're using any of, any of those as your backend for Terraform, yeah, which which would be weird. I I I never seen any of those used. Maybe like Artifactory uh, as a backend, but uh, yeah, be aware that they are deprecated now and eventually will be removed. Uh, now going on to one point three, which I guess will be released uh, closer to November in December. I, I think they have like a very interesting feature coming up there. It's like this is the only thing we know at the moment. Yeah, exactly. That they have um, optional, so you can set like when you when you're declaring the model variables, you can set optional uh, values to it, which is very handy. So before that, you could just say no, right, and then it will be skipped or will have empty value. But now you could say like say one. Or you know, five. Hold on, we have that. We had default, right? Yeah, now I understand. So we had default before that. We could say if this variable is not specified, then its value should be five. Yeah. But now we could be null instead, that, right? Ah, uh, now now I'm confused. <laughs> yeah, and a little bit. <laughs> no, but isn't it that you can set it to, to for example, a string? No, if you don't specify it's... anything, it's be, it would be null. But you can also set it to default, saying like string, like true. Well, no, not maybe not true, but uh, wrong. And then would All be right, a, let's a see. Model variable time constraints now supports an optional modifier for object attribute types. Aha. Okay. Right, so when you have a complex type, a variable of complex type, right? So you're passing a like a map in there of like yeah. object, which is called um, Terraform. Uh, you could say that, for instance, attribute A equals string. It contains three three attributes. I'm now reading example that they have in release notes. So they say object contains three attributes. A equals string, and this is a required attribute. But now you could say B equal optional string in a, in a bracket. And that will mean that you only need to specify A and B is optional and it will be replaced by new if not specified. But C says C equal optional in brackets number comma one to seven. So here you actually explicitly specifying default value which is useful. Like when you're passing objects, this is useful because before that you would have to specify all attributes of the object. Uh, now you could uh, specify, say that some of them optional or even provide default value. And uh, yay to that. It is useful. So looking forward to it. Wow, that was a lot to digest. Yeah, so this is like everything that has that happened since release of 0 0.1, 1.0. Sorry, my underslipped brain. 
and up to Terraform 1.3, which is not released at the moment. And um, there, there's been a ton of enchantments. So we've been going through the small, uh, through the new features, but not all enchantments that they announced. There were like much more yeah. than we m- can cover in a span of one podcast. Yeah. And um, I don't know if we, if we should wrap up right here. Yeah, we think. Yeah. That's a very complete oh. and thorough update. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, here in my notes, I have a point that I haven't made, but I think it's worth mentioning that there are core problems with Terraform, yeah. like a number of them, and they're not being addressed. So we see improvements for model development, yeah. which is... I cannot say, I mean, they're good to have, but they don't address the bigger issues. Like, for instance, if you self-manage Terraform state, for instance, if you store it on S3, you you still have no way of encrypting that. I mean, there is like no way of uh, hiding sensitive data that you have in in a state still. Like, for instance, if you're passing in uh, database password to the database to be created. That yeah. password will be will be saved in Terraform state. So Terraform state has all your jewels of your kingdom, yeah. and you want to protect it. And they're there in a the plain text. So anyone who has access to that S3 market could go and read all your passwords. So and yeah. that problem is not being addressed. Yeah, that's. Um, but do you have any workaround for this, or is it just stored on a, your own location or? Well, you could go like with Terraform Cloud, I guess. This is yeah. what they want you to do. But and then you then... have the S3 bucket in their place that, they, that you don't get access to, right? Yeah, but yeah, kind of. So, And still, like, everyone who runs Terraform, they need to have access to the state file, Yeah. right? Everyone who does apply. You could uh, move it to CI completely, so all apply done, like... Terraform Cloud can do apply for you. I think like Atlantis or your Jenkins or what have you can do apply for you. Yeah. I heard, Julian, did you say Jenkins? Yes. Yeah, okay. I actually still using Jenkins in one of the projects. (laughs) Uh, This is a talk for another time. Yeah, it's it's a returning topic, like Jenkins. Yeah, still alive alive and kicking. Ten years from now, we still do this podcast, and there still be Jenkins running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. on the table. <laughs> s- s- simple concept never dies. I, I think Jenkins is going to be like bash. Concept? <laughs> Are you adding simple to Jenkins now as well? Jenkins is not simple. Uh, Jenkins is not simple, but basically, what you do with it is is just yeah, you have like a machine, and it starts a, a job on it, and you can do steps on it, and and that's so it. Up is UI. <laughs> and an ability to, to, to pipe cron tops one <laughs> into another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think right. that maybe we should end this episode about the Terraform update. It was yeah. It's great to see that the traction is an important tool that we all use uh, a lot, right? It's Definitely. Good, it's good, it's it's good a, updated and good taken care of I think like a closing word is uh, really that uh, whoever wants to bet on Terraform it's kind of a safe bet 
like the the it's it's solid you know yeah. it's more no, like I, I, it's gonna I, be I, there I for don't few years. I don't think anything coming around and say like, well, I mean, this is like basically in order to change something in your infrastructure way, how you work, it needs to be like five times better compared yeah. to yeah. what you have at the moment to justify investment to just change from one to another. Yeah. And uh, everything we have around now is like pretty much incremental improvement. So yeah. you have also CDKs. Kind of the same thing, if if not worse. Yeah. You have pull me that have some that actually addressed a number of problems, like state encryption, for instance. Yeah. But it's an incremental improvement on top of Terraform Plus is its own value proposition, which is not appealing to everyone, I would say, like doing the infrastructure is actual code in actual language. Might be not uh, like I mean the entrance bar might be uh, high comparing to the Terraform, because like there you have a simple DSL to learn, no no language, no uh, computer language constructs, stuff like that. Anyhow, maybe yeah. GitOps will replace it. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? GitOps, ML. We'll see what it gets. Okay. Uh, ML, yeah. Okay, thanks for tuning in, and uh, I hope you like the show. Thank you. Until um, next time. Yep. Bye-bye. been listening to the DevSecOps podcast with Matthias Andre and Julian. For more podcast and notes go to the webpage devsecops.fm. Thanks for tuning in.